Welcome to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. This program is designed to inspire you to stand on the Word of God and to help you build unshakable and unstoppable faith in Jesus Christ. Here's your host, Dr. Kazumba. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Unstoppable Faith. Dr. Kazumba Charles here. Today's program, I want to share with you on uh, how to step out to get into what God has called you to do, to do what God has called you to do. Many people don't know when to step out. Many people don't know when the opportunity for them to do what they've been dreaming about comes on comes on they don't know how to take advantage of that that's why the bible says our opportunities happens to everybody but very few people are able to really acknowledge that this is my opportunity to do what god has called me to do so today's topic i'll be to- we'll be talking we'll be talking about uh, your time is now your time is now get what god has given you to help me with this topic today is uh, jonathan heavens Jonathan Evans is a former NFL football player and uh, he is a pastor, speaker, mentor and author who speaks passionately and powerfully about his relationship with God and that he has a burning desire to share his faith with others. He has just released a book, Your Time Is Now, Get What God Has Given You. Stay tuned and we'll be right back with Jonathan Evans. Now is the time, because you know what? The game of life is a running clock. There is no rewind button, stop, pause. No, it just keeps running. So you'll have men that'll live their lives never achieving the promise that God has for their life. My dad always told me, Jonathan, life is like a dollar bill. You get to have it, but you're only gonna get to spend it once. So spend it well, because it's a running clock. When you finally turn the page, open up the manual to Joshua's life and you turn the page, the first word you see there is now. Now means not later, to keep it simple. Ephesians 1 says it best. In heavenly places, he has stored up everything that he is already going to do for you. So while you're here, draw it down because you're only going to get one shot at it. Now is the time. Jonathan, welcome to Unstoppable Faith. Hey, good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Could you tell us about uh, this book that you've released, Your Time Is Now? What message are you sharing and why are you sharing it now? Yeah, well, definitely. Thank you for the question. You know, I, uh, my dad always taught me that life is like a dollar bill. You get to have it, but you're only going to get to spend it once, so you need to spend it well. And um, right now, I want people to understand that God is calling you, and he's calling you Uh, not later. It's an imminent call. It's something that he has on your life right now. And a lot of people, uh, fear is allowing them to not go forward to the call that God has in their life, or whether it's circumstances, or whether they feel like they're not good enough, or whether they have doubt. Uh, God has been impressing on all of our hearts 
a direction, a purpose, a destiny, something that he's gifted us and skilled us and purposed us to do. And a lot of times we use ourselves and our own insufficiencies as a block to getting there. And God is saying, you know, a lot of us think we're waiting on him. And God is saying, no, I'm waiting on you. And I have more time than you. And so until we move, a lot of times we don't get to experience his power. And I wanted to energize people to get up off of the couch of comfortability and move in to uh, a calling. And so that's what I wanted to use as this book and some of my story to talk about that catalytic calling for people uh, to be used by God and to not wait because the time is always right now. As you talk about your own story, uh, in the book you talk a little about uh, your own journey as uh, Tone Heaven's son. Your father is a very popular, powerful man of God. And how you discovered the need to carve out your own role and purpose in ministry and life. What has that journey looked like for you? Well, being Tony Evans' son is a great thing, but it also can be difficult when you compare yourself to someone that's so amazing, someone that God has used at such a great level and a high level. And I always thought about filling his shoes. And that was something that was scary to me, something that put fear in me. And I always ran away from anything that had anything to do with what Tony Evans did because of the heights that he soared in it. It's almost like in basketball, you know, Michael Jordan is the, the famed basketball player uh, from the past. And it's like Michael Jordan's son trying to try out for Michael Jordan's old team, the Bulls. You know, it just doesn't seem to sit well because Michael Jordan was just that great. But my mom told me and she helped me understand. She said, what size does your dad wear? I said, he wears a 10 and a half. He, she said, what size shoe do you wear? She says, you see how simple it is? If you try to put on your dad's shoes, your feet are going to get crushed. Your job is not wow. to walk in his shoes. Your job is to walk in your own. And once you realize that God wants to use you the way that he made you and you stop comparing yourself uh, to to a, to something that you're not even supposed to be comparing yourself to, uh, then you realize that there's no block uh, in what God wants to do with you other than you getting out of your own way. And so I realized that. And once I realized that, um, I really, God just started to use me the way that he made me and uh, and my football career and all of these different things started to to turn out the way that God wanted them to turn out, even if it wasn't exactly I thought they would turn out. And so that's uh, just a little snippet of that journey. More is said uh, in the book, but a lot of people aren't moving forward to the destiny that God has them to because they're uh, in the comparisons and false narratives that stop them from, from doing just that. Uh, let me go to this other question here. Uh, you use the story of uh, Joshua as a model for following God's calling. Can you give us a higher level look at his story and what we can learn from him about uh, springing into action and finding our purpose? Yeah, absolutely. Joshua chapter 1. When you turn the page from Deuteronomy 34 to Joshua chapter 1, the first word you're going to see is now. It's an imminent word. God was coming after Joshua to lead his people to the same promise that he had already given to Moses. It's still the promised land, but God needed Joshua to move and he needed him to move now. He needed to draw himself out of his own disparity, to draw himself out of the false comparisons, to draw himself out of his own fear and timidity and move forward because the promised land was waiting and it wouldn't, they wouldn't come into the promised land until Joshua moved. But we have to understand that it was hard for Joshua to move. Four times in chapter one of Joshua, God has to tell Joshua, be strong and courageous. He has to tell him that four times. Why? Because Joshua wasn't. 
Moses had just died in Deuteronomy 34. And he didn't just die, he died suddenly. It says Moses' vigor was not abated and his eyes were white and God put him to rest. In other words, God put something that Joshua used to hang his hat on to rest and he put it to rest without notifying him. He put it to rest suddenly. And it says that the people mourned for 30 days over the death of Moses. That was a big deal because in Israel, it was only customary to mourn for seven. But my boy Mo got this big mourning because of how great he was for the people of Israel. And when you turn the page from that morning, from that catastrophic loss, all of a sudden there's a brand new call. And so for there's a lot of people out there that have sudden loss. You have a sudden loss of a career, sudden loss of finance, a sudden loss of a relationship, sudden loss of a person. And you're wondering, how can this be taken away from me without notification? Maybe it's because we need to realize that God doesn't move on our time. He moves on his time. And God buried Moses suddenly because Moses was great, but Moses couldn't go. Deuteronomy 32:52 says that Moses was going to be able to see the land, but God was not going to allow him to enter the land. So if Joshua would have stayed with Moses, he would have been stuck on the wrong side of his calling. And some of us need to recognize that there are sometimes uh, moments in our life where God will put something to rest suddenly because he wants you to be moved suddenly. He wants you to be called suddenly. He wants to move forward with you suddenly. And he wants to change things, even though his ultimate game plan stays the same. And so we have to remember that a monumental morning is only a precursor to a monumental calling and that God will sometimes put things to rest that can't go, even though they were great for yesterday, because he has greater things that he wants you to achieve today and tomorrow. Wow. That is, that is powerful. Now, you know this many times uh, God takes things away from us in order to get our attention. Why do you think that is? Yeah, God takes things away in order to get our attention because he tells Joshua, even in chapter one, he says, don't turn to the right or to the left. Meditate on my word day and night. Depend on me, in other words. A lot of times God will take things away from us because those things have become our source. And God wants to remind us that only he is our source. Everything else is a resource. And sometimes we put things in the wrong position. Sometimes we put things in his position when it's just something that we should allow him to use to keep him in his position. And so God wants to create dependency. You know, growing up, you know, if you raise kids, you're raising them to be independent. And the more they're able to be independent, the more they're moving into maturity and adulthood. But yes. the Christian walk is the exact op opposite. Most of us in our immaturity are independent from God. Well, that's what shows that you're immature as a Christian. The more dependent you are on God shows your maturity as a Christian. And so what God is doing with us and what God was doing with Joshua and many of the characters in the Bible is he was putting them in impossible positions so that they would be dependent on the one who can make the impossible possible. You write that uh, how you you are dressed determines how far you go. What does clothing have to do with our spiritual journey? Absolutely. One of the chapters uh, in the book is dress, uh, because normally uh, what you're dressed like will determine where you're going. And so if you're going to if you're going out on a date, you're going to dress like it. If you're going to a banquet, you're going to dress like it. If you're going to church, you're going to dress like it. Uh, in other words, how you're dressed often depicts how you're, where you're going. 
And if you look at Genesis 3, 21, it says God clothed Adam and Eve with garments of skins. But why would he clothe them if they were already dressed? And remember, Adam and Eve had already put fig leaves on earlier in the same chapter, but God reclothed them. So evidently, God is a stylist who cares about how we're dressed. And evidently, what what Adam and Eve were wearing was not good enough for where they were going. God had to clothe them in something that was worthy of the destiny that he had for them. Even when you look in the book of Matthew at the wedding feast, there was someone who was improperly dressed and kicked out because they weren't wearing the clothes that would determine uh, how God saw that was good for where, where they were. And so we want to yes. be dressed and clothed in righteousness. We don't want to have a righteous call, but be dressed like a heathen. And a lot of people are not dressed in usable, in a usable outfit. And remember, remember, God is waiting on us. And for, for some of us, he's waiting on us for us to change into an outfit that looks like he would use for his banquet purposes. And so, and, and dressing the Bible had a lot to do with righteousness, okay? It had a lot to do, if you look at Isaiah uh, 61, if you look at uh, Revelations uh, uh, 19, verse 7, it says that the church was dressed in fine linen and the righteous acts of the saints are what the fine linen is. And so God wants to see you dressed a certain way because how you're dressed, how you live your life, ultimately is a part of the qualifications for uh, being advanced into your call. Powerful if you're just joining us here on Unstoppable Faith, I have my brother, Jonathan Heavens, author of Your Time Is Now. Get what God has given you. Let me go to this as you're sharing on on just the clothing, will de- you know, how you dress will determine where you're going. Now, this other question here uh, about confidence. You are a former NFL player, and uh, I am a former soccer player. I know the importance of confidence, and I want you to help our audience around the world understand this. I'm going to ask you this question. What role does confidence play in our relationship with God, and how does it affect our actions. Well, I think it's a big role. As you know, as a former athlete, confidence is big. And taking the assignment that you've been given from the coach based on the playbook, contingent on your uniform and going out and executing with all confidence, knowing that the head coach has your back, knowing that the head coach is the one calling the plays. That's what makes confidence different than arrogance. Arrogance says, I don't need the head coach. I can operate from my own game plan, executing my own playbook. Confidence says, I'm receiving the game plan. I'm receiving it from the playbook that's been given to me by my head coach, and I'm going to execute it because he's the one who gave it to me. In other words, I can go out full steam ahead because I have reassurance and the full backing of the head coach that's put me on the field. And so God is calling us to this confidence. Paul says in Philippians 1 6 that he is confident, that he is confident that he who began a good work in me is faithful to perfect it until the, the day of Christ Jesus. He says that I am confident in he, not me. He says that I have confidence in him, not them. He said I have confidence in my savior, not any one person or anybody's particular behavior. It has everything to do with the object of his confidence. A lot of us have confidence, but we're placing our confidence in an object that's not worthy of it. The confidence that Paul has is in God who never fails, will never leave us or forsake us. And that's the reason why we should have confidence. You know, a lot of people don't have confidence because the object of their confidence is themselves. Yes. 
That's why they don't wow. have the confidence because wow. they see wow. all their own insufficiencies. They see, uh, uh, they're, you know, they're they're producing for the human trinity, me, myself, and I, instead of the spiritual one, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they're wondering why they have so much fear and timidity. Well, like Paul said, you're not supposed to be looking at you. You're supposed to be looking at God who called you. And when you look at him and know that he has your back, you can have all the confidence in the world to executing, to execute what the spirit is calling you to do. Now, just before I go to this other question, I just want to follow up. There are others, uh, 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 man of God, that says uh, when you are too confident, they say, oh, he's arrogant. Mm -hmm. Oh, people are afraid to have the confidence to do what God has called them to do because they think they, they, they fear others will be, you know, other people will judge them. What should you say to that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say to that, that, that confidence is this. Confidence, you know you're confident when you're able to overcome your fear in something you know God is calling you to do. See, uh, uh, arrogance is ignoring God and doing what you want to do. Wow. Confidence is using what God has given you, the gift, the skills, the talents, the experiences, and the passions that you have and setting yourself to the side, your fear, your timidity, all the justifications that you have for the reason why you're not taking the field and walking by faith, not by sight. When you get to that place, you know you're operating in a godly confidence, godly arrogance. And that's just like Moses. Moses had to do it in Exodus chapter three. Moses was called by God to something major. Let my people go. And Moses immediately fear struck him. He says in Exodus chapter three, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? What is the subject of his timidity himself? He's looking at himself. A few verses later, God says, I am that I am. In other words, all God did was switch the position of the personal pronoun. Moses said, am I? God said, I am. And a lot of times we're saying, am I good enough? Can I do it? Can I speak well enough? Can I run fast? Uh, can I be committed? We're, we're, we're having the positional pronoun uh, in the wrong position, the personal pronoun position. God doesn't want you to say, am I? He wants you to think, I am. He wants you to know who he is. And then Moses was able to do spectacular things in his calling because he walked in the faith of who he is, not who Moses was. I love this. I love this stuff right now. Okay, being a Christian doesn't mean that life will be easy. So many Christians uh, give up when life doesn't seem to be going their way. What encouragement do you have for such people? Well, first of all, um, a lot of Christians do think that and they operate that way. Um, and they really have a bad expectation. Jesus tells us the truth in John 16, 33, when he says, in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say in this world, you might have trouble. He didn't say in this world, it's possible that you'll have trouble. He gave you the perfect expectation from the living word who wrote the perfect word so that you can believe the word that's coming to you. And what he tells you is in this world, it is guaranteed that you'll have trouble. However, you can be of good cheer. You can still rejoice. You can still move forward because him who we have placed faith in Jesus Christ has already overcome the trouble. He's already walked on the storm. And what we have to remember is that when you're in a pit or a valley, 
calamity or a storm or a trial or a tribulation. We serve a God who uses everything. He doesn't waste anything. That's a part of your time is now. People think when I say your time is now that I'm talking about this pinnacle point or this goal that you have or the place that you envision that you want to get to or that you envision God wants you to get to. When I say your time is now, I'm talking about the, the compilation of your life because yes. God uses it all. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. So we have to remember that when you're in the pit, your time is now. When, when, when you're in the palace, your time is now. When you're in the trial, your time is now. When things aren't working out, your time is now. Because God is going to use those times to better prepare you for the times that he's calling you to. My mom told me, told it to me this way. She said, Jonathan, your greatest misery is a precursor to your greatest ministry. Yeah. Don't expect to have a great ministry if you haven't gone through high levels of misery because God will use all of that and put it in the pot to stir up something that tastes really good for your purposes. You, you have, uh, this one is personal. The other question I have, uh, you recently experienced uh, a huge loss. Uh, you've shared the details of how you have walked through the tremendous loss uh, your family has experienced over the last several years elsewhere but uh in the book you discuss how you came to choose joy again can you tell us about that yes we've had a, a hard year speaking of trials and tribulations we've had so many losses in our family over the last two and a half years my dad and a lot of them were pointed at my dad you know my dad lost his brother mm -hmm. uh, he lost his sister he lost his father he lost his niece he lost his wife um, all of that happened in, in a two-year span. Wow. Uh, it was just one after the other. Almost every six months, we were losing someone we were very close to in our family. Obviously, uh, his wife, my mom, uh, was, the, uh, was one of the, the closest to home uh, losses, even though they were close to home. And so we had to continue to believe through that, and it's the hardest time of our life uh, as a family. So the question is, well, well, how did we do it? Well, first, I came to God and I was angry. I came to God and I was very disappointed in him. I came to God and I was honest because I prayed. I, I used his word. Uh, we had people from all over the country and all over the world praying for life for my mom. And, it, and um, she ended up passing away. And I told God that I was frustrated uh, that, that he didn't work that out for my good, like his word said. And then I felt the spirit punch me. I mean, punch me in the gut and tell me, the reason why you're so frustrated and discouraged and the reason why you're coming at me the way that you're coming at me is because you misunderstood my victory. You see, when your mom passed away, she actually lives greater than she lived before she passed away. You don't realize, based on my victory, that I've answered your prayer even greater than what you were praying for. You don't realize that she was either going to be healed or she was going to be, be healed. She was going to be with family or she was going to be with family. She was either going to be taken care of or she was going to be even more so taken care of. So he was letting me know in that, in that moment, if you understand my victory, then joy even in discouragement. Because of what my son Jesus Christ has done on the cross, you can have joy and you don't mourn as those who mourn with no hope. Because in my sacrifice, in my work, in the death, in the resurrection, in what I've accomplished over 2,000 years ago, the answer to your prayer is always yes and yes 
even if you don't quite see it that way from your vantage point. And so when he was able to give that to me and help me understand that, I can have joy. Like Paul, Paul said, Paul said, I have joy even in my prison in Philippians chapter one. I can have joy in jail for I know that he will deliver me. So the question is, what do you know is true about God, about Jesus Christ and about what the work that he's already done? And when you know it, even in your discouragement, you can pull yourself up, uh, pull yourself up with the joy that you have contingent and based on your faith. Sorry for the loss. I've followed your daddy's ministry and your mother for quite some time. They've been very impactful in my personal life. And uh, I just wanted uh, to let you know that uh, it was uh, not only the loss for your family, but I believe for the entire uh, Christian world, because we've looked up to your dad and his teachings are powerful, encouraging. And we thank God is one of the most uh, courageous men. He stood by the word and he continues to inspire us uh, uh, as well. Now, let me go to this last, I mean, a few, a couple of last questions I have here. In the last chapter of uh, your book, you tell a powerful story of your mother's words to you and your siblings as she were laying uh, you know leaning of our leaning of our diagnosis how did our posture towards the battle she first guide you in sharing this message oh yeah absolutely i mean she's been a key voice in our family my entire life and then uh, never more so then when we got the devastating news that she had terminal cancer and the doctors could do nothing about it. I remember my dad sharing us that news and uh, the room erupting. Uh, my dad crying, my, my sisters crying, my brother, uh, my brother-in-law in the room erupted in tears and in pain. And uh, I remember looking back at my mom and she was sitting there stoic as she was watching us uh, take in this news. And she actually said after about four minutes or so had passed by and her sitting in silence. She actually said, are you guys finished yet? And I remember looking across the room like, well, I guess so. I mean, if you're saying, are we finished? I, I guess we're done. Wow. And she says, well, sit down. And we all sat down. And uh, just like it says in the book, she just said, um, you know what this is? And we said, I know you've got a, you know, you got a terminal illness. She said, no, it's deeper than that. She said, we're dealing with spiritual warfare in our family. God knows and he sees and he's called us to what he's called us to, but the enemy knows too. Yeah. And he's attacking our family. And one thing that we will not do in our family is tuck tail and run. This is yeah. what she told us. She said, one thing that we will not do in our family is sit still while the enemy moves. We're going to move at a faster pace. Where if you're called to preach, you're going to preach. If you're called to sing, you're going to sing. If you're called to mentor, minister, disciple, that's exactly <laughs> what you're going to do and you're not going to stop i know you love me Amen. but i need you to love him even more while you take care of me yes because we're going to move full speed for the kingdom of god and i remember Amen. saying in that moment how in the Scott. world can you be talking about ministry at mm -hmm. a time like this wow. and my mom looked at me and she stared right into the, the in my eyes right into my soul mm -hmm. and she reminded me because this is why you exist yes this is why you exist. You exist to serve the purposes of God. And if that's the reason why you exist, then nothing can stop you. Mm -hmm. And so when I got that, uh, I mean, it was like smoke coming out of our ears and fire coming out of our nose. Wow. All of our siblings hugged her. We looked at each other. We took care of her the best we could. Uh, but she sent us off and she said, go. And um, 
I can hear that ringing in my ears, even though she's been gone for two years. Tell us more about the interactive experience you have created for the readers that accompany this book right here. Your time is now. Well, listen, I'm a, a part of me is very logical. The other side of me is very creative. And I wanted to make sure that uh, this was an experience for the reader, that it was greater than just a literary work. Um, and so I put some different things in this book to give you a full experience. Uh, in this book. In any book I come out with, that's what I want to do. And so you'll notice that every three chapters, there's a QR code. And what we've done is we put a movie in the book. So there is an actual movie that you get to watch in this book as you read the book. So it starts after chapter three, and then it says to be continued. You read three more chapters, you scan the QR code, and it picks up right where it left off. And so you're going to watch a movie through this book. And as you conclude the book, you will also conclude the movie. But at the end, it doesn't even stop there. We have a, a soundtrack that is a part of this book so that you can listen uh, while you work out. You can listen long after you put the book down. You can listen in your car while you drive uh, that has been produced by a Grammy Award winning producer. They've taken uh, excerpts from my sermons. And so it's a really uh, cool compilation of all of the gifts and talents that uh, God has given me that I wanted to put on display so that the readers can have a full experience in the book and then long after they put the book down. This is, this is powerful. Where can our listeners connect with you and where can they pick up a, a copy of Your Time Is Now? Yes, you can go uh, anywhere uh, books are sold online. You can go to uh, Amazon and get your book there, Barnes & Noble. You can go to my website, jonathanblakeevans.com and uh, order your book there, but anywhere you uh, books with the book if you purchase it from amazon be so kind to leave an amazon view that would be grateful to get the word out for more people so that they can experience uh, your time uh being now and you can connect with me on all social media just my full name jonathan blake evans at jonathan blake evans and uh you can follow me and connect with me there but just know if you follow me you're going to be following christ it's not about my following it's about his following Amen. Amen. I know I'm going to have you back here uh, because uh, there are so many things that you've shared that needs to be unpacked from this book. So this is uh, an introduction. So this is just an introduction. I'd love to have you back, my brother, where you could uh, just uh, teach and preach uh, to our, our audience from around the world because uh, God has given you a word. Your time is now. Stop waiting on God. God is waiting on you. And I like that message. Uh, um, it is a powerful, it changed my life. The moment I stopped uh, working for God to open doors, for God to do all this stuff, and I began to do what he had called me as small as it was, God took me to the nations and uh, all over the world. So I believe you have a message that uh, this generation needs to hear. So we're going to be having you back on Unstoppable Faith. Absolutely. Can't wait. And to our viewers, may the Lord bless you. Thank you for tuning in today on Unstoppable Faith. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. Thank you for tuning in to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. If this program has been a blessing to you, write to us at life at and share your testimony.